everybody. Welcome to Apartment Academy Live. Hi. Hi. <laughs> we are coming to you legit live from San Diego. Please expect me to say, stay classy, San Diego, you at have the end to. of this. You have to. It is part of the rules yeah, of the game. Absolutely. I'm Stephanie Ayler. Clearly, I am not Daniel Cunningham, who is usually the most esteemed dean of the Apartment Academy podcast. But I am filling in for him. I am a poor man's Daniel Cunningham. I am Stephanie Ayler, and I am excited to be here today. We have some special guests live in the Apartment Academy studio here in the sales pavilion at Apartmentalize. We have the amazing Brent Williams and the amazing Tammy Longo, but I will let them introduce themselves. How about we do this? How about we do your name, your company, mm -hmm. your title, and let's do an interesting little known fact that nobody at this conference would know. Nobody. No, no, nobody. Okay. And if your spouse okay. or something's here, oh well. They can't even know. All right. We're about to tell everybody else. Got this. So, uh, go for it. No, you please. Please. <laughs> uh, I'm Tammy Longo. Um, <laughs> is that a little known fact? Went back for it. Stay close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Went back for it. Might have dug too deep oh. on that joke, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I'm Tammy Longo. I'm with ALN Apartment Data, and I have been in this industry for 19 years now. Um, Oh, goodness, the one fun fact about me, right? Mm -hmm. I had a Romanian gymnastics coach for a very long time, and that's something that a lot of people don't know about me, even though sometimes I've done splits on stage at <laughs> I NAA. Just, I was just going to ask for a yeah, proof. I've done that. I've, there is a picture of me on stage at NAA doing a speech, and someone asked me if I could still do splits, and I just did that in front of, I don't know, 500 I, people or that something. That sounds like a good session idea, like <laughs> little things that you can do that nobody else probably can do still. Yeah. Yeah, right. The so, whole session no, it of was, it. I had a Romanian coach and traveled around doing gymnastics for about uh, 16 years. Wow, yeah. Tammy, that's crazy, amazing. right? I know. Yeah. I, but I think I could still do maybe one or two things, but that's about the end of it. Stay tuned. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Nope. Awesome, Brent, Mr. Brent. So yeah, um, my name is Brent Williams. I am chief insider at Multifamily Insiders, and uh, shoot, little known fact, you know, my favorite one is actually not safe for work, so I can't say that. Um, <laughs> But uh, my second one, I guess, I, you know, when I was like 12 or 13, I was the fifth best bowler in the state of yes. Texas, which is really a nerdy fact. But uh, then I retired. Oh. I was done. <laughs> Another fun and, fact. Uh, I won a bike bowling in really? a tournament one time when I was wow. like seven. Maybe you wow. were one, Bring two, it up three, here, and four. Man. Yes, up here. Absolutely. We got it. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> fifth in the state, huh? Yes. That's a big That's state yes. to be big state. We won state. And uh, yeah, big old trophy. My biggest trophy is from bowling. <laughs> Which is not the most impressive thing ever, um, but yeah, it is what it is. Well, that's a really fun little known fact. That's why Thank you picked the that. bowling place to have your party at the other night. Oh, He's I did not bowl. <laughs> because I retired. <laughs> Do you not get that part? <laughs> I guess he, he hung up his bowling yes, shoes. Yes. As one should. Yes. <laughs> that's fun. That's really fun. Well, speaking um, of fun, it has been a pretty amazing week. Yeah. I know that we've gone live on the Apartment Academy podcast the last couple of days and just had a tremendous turnout for impressive guests. Mm -hmm. And it's been great to see everybody coming through. And the sessions have been truly inspiring, yes. actually, like really dynamic and really different. And honestly, if I do say so myself, that to tell the truth game show, 
I mean, yeah, that was our session. <laughs> I was going to say, were you, did you happen to be a part of that? I happen to be a part of it. <laughs> but um, other than that, you know, you guys attended a ton of the education sessions here mm-hmm. at NAA Apartmentalized this year. Tell us, like, did you, was there a theme? You know, there's always sort of something going on and, mm-hmm. and it's threaded throughout the sessions. Was there something that you guys picked up on? Yeah, I think the, the biggest theme that I saw was leasing centralization. Oh, yeah. Um, every single session I went to. And maybe it was what I chose, but my goodness, they <laughs> all were touching on that. Um, and it was really interesting to see how different companies were approaching it differently. It meant so much, so different to different companies. It's kind of like self-guided tours and how, or actually, I'm sorry, uh, virtual leasing. How virtual mm-hmm. leasing can mean so many, so many different things to so many different mm-hmm. people. Yeah. That centralization you can approach it in, in sort of different ways. And so I, I had a great session I went to with uh, Stephanie Gonzalez and Wendy, Wendy Ray Walker. Oh yeah. And Stephanie's team was taking more of an approach of centralizing tasks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have these tasks, and let's pull those tasks away from the onsite team, but still leave the onsite team as it is. Yeah. And Wendy was more about centralizing the team so that they were pulling team members away to a centralized spot. And so that they were in a call center type situation. And so that it was pulling the team members away as well as the tasks. And they each seemed to be doing really well with their own different approach. Interesting. So almost we almost need to define centralization, but it sounds to me like it's not really easily defined. Then. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it does exactly. it's kinda like that old uh that word luxury that we used to advertise. It doesn't, right. doesn't mean the same thing to the same people. Right, exactly. it, it absolutely doesn't. And you know, to, to his point, the centralization of things is such a hot thing and we see it all the time. Now, in, people don't understand that if you have a centralized leasing office that the, the apartments aren't actually there, right. right? So that's, it's education is where I'm going with this, is that we need to educate not just our industry, but the renters and anyone who is coming to our offices because they're going to come and expect like a whole grandiose thing. And it's just, it's just a leasing office. You know, the, the amenities aren't there. You can't see these things, but they take you on the tours or you go on your self-guided tour. Right. So, I mean, I think a lot of this is going to come down to education. Yeah, exactly. So they have a clear understanding of how the process works, um, removing barriers. And we can talk about this later. I heard some great stuff about removing barriers, um, Mm -hmm. to making it easy to go down that process. Um, one thing that I, I heard that was really interesting, uh, from Wendy was that, they could make the process more streamlined for for their teams because because they centralized then it was one manager teaching the sit or, or leading the same processes for that one team so instead mm-hmm. of having all these different communities that were all scattered mm-hmm. and they all had different managers and they were all kind of derivations on the same concepts that the company wanted to to do mm-hmm. because it was centralized they could be much more consistent in their training and how they approach things and how they actually delivered their service so that helps a lot yeah and i think to to that point um what we're seeing a lot of uh come out of a lot of different areas especially in the texas area is the btr sector so that built to rent which is homes and they have centralized leasing offices as well mm-hmm. so you're not touring a whole apartment community your apartment is your home like so we're now seeing in a re- uh, not a resurgence but an insurgence Mm-hmm. of of BTR. So like oh, yeah. I think that's going to also drive this centralization because then people are going to be looking for homes, right? In, in rental homes, but they're they're leasing. 
It's yeah. still a whole right, like multi-family leasing process. Process, yeah. right? Exactly. So I think that piggybacking on a little bit on that, Tammy, mm-hmm. is it's an interesting dynamic that is happening with the BTR. I live in Arizona, so BTR is booming yep. in Arizona. Like it's such a big market for it. Mm-hmm. And um, that kind of density is very different than a multifamily density, but they are typically, uh, you know, all, you know, together. And you're, you might see a hundred uh, rental homes mm-hmm. in that BTR community. And then you also have, you know, your traditional multifamily, mm-hmm. and then you have your single-family rentals that are that are uh, potentially potted in that same way. So I think having these hybrid operator and ownership groups mm-hmm. where they might have a scattering of BTR maybe, and they might have some single family rentals mm-hmm. in that area, plus some multifamily, so it's a hybrid portfolio, is driving some of that centralization, Absolutely. desire and need, mm-hmm. right? Because you you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily have somebody, you can't have somebody living on site or near site or working on site in a single family rental pod, but you would have a central office and you dispatch for maintenance or you dispatch for yes. leasing, uh, you know, on demand or whatever that process is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think that, you know, that single family probably started really blowing up, what, eight or nine years ago, maybe? Would that, that seem about right? And BTR in the last like two or three yeah, years. Yeah, very recent. And so, but everybody's really excited about having a mixed portfolio. And so centralization just seems to really make sense mm-hmm. in that environment. Yeah. What does it do, question for you, if this came up in the sessions, what does it do when it comes to sort of the staffing needs? You know, we keep hearing about staffing shortages. Is this a way to solve that or let's explore that a little bit yeah so i think that staffing is going to be an interesting topic where as we centralize as we have more technology solutions that are taking over some of the roles at first when that first started to gain traction there was this um you know, you ask people, okay, so how is that going to affect your staffing? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, we're going to keep all of our staffing and we're just going to shift their roles right. into something else and, um, and, you know, create more resident experiences and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And, but you're seeing some companies who are saying, I know we're just going to reduce staffing. And so, uh, I talked to somebody who, um, they reduced staffing by 40% through natural attrition for the most part. So it's not like they went and fired a whole bunch of people. Right. They just let people go and then that's how they they downsized from that perspective and once some companies see others that are just you know saying okay we're going to go ahead and reduce staffing i'm 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 curious to see how much that catches on because once you start seeing the cost savings in doing that that might actually be more frequent and then Mm -hmm. a certain number some percentage then say we know we want to keep the experiences we want to keep that high level of of resident options that are going to be more pampered uh, luxury, you know, kind of like these uh, these really engaging elements. Um, so I don't know. I see one one company down forty percent on on-site staffing is is huge. So did they talk about? I mean, forty percent down on on-site staffing. Did they talk about if if they did? like what their centralization, like what they grew in that centralized office. Like, did that come up at all? You know what I mean? Like if it was 40% down overall period, or if they were 40% down on site, but they did have, you know, they grew their centralized leasing office by yeah. 100 people. And that's, that's a great question. And I don't know if, if there was a, a shift. I know, I know it did not, you know, it wasn't like I'm just a move. It okay. wasn't like okay. a, now, now there are some companies that I'm hearing from, they are, that was just a move, oh, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So they did like they, hey, we'll pull them, pull them into a centralized office, and now they're call center style. Yeah. And 
for them, what they did was, uh, and this is UDR, where UDR was focusing so much on self-guided tours. Mm -hmm. And they went to almost purely self-guided tours, mm -hmm. except for some rare exceptions. Okay. And when that happened, then that, that changed, you know, what the role is on site significantly. Yeah. And they did, they do have some centralized services because what they were doing was once somebody went in for a self-guided tour, they would log in, they get the QR code, they would check in. Mm -hmm. And now they know that they're on the tour. And so while that was happening, they would text them, ping them and say, okay, how's it going? Do you have any questions? Genius. That sort of thing. So like there, there's connectivity mm -hmm. there, like connection. So they know that they are there for help if they need it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times they found that a lot of people just don't respond. <laughs> they just let it go, ignore it. Yeah. Um, uh, but they still know that they're being taken care of if they need to. So they're they're kind of still there for them, but it's in a very hands-off way. And and they found that people loved uh, that the they didn't feel somebody hovering over them, mm -hmm. watching them through the process. Yeah. So yeah, it was. So uh, it's definitely a mix depending on different companies on how much their staffing might change for you know to a, a to a, a separate facility versus just not existing at all anymore. Yeah, I'm curious with the self-guided tours. You said they went almost to that model fully on across their portfolio, mm -hmm. Did, and they said there were some rare exceptions. Did they give any specifics on the exceptions? Or if um, you're listening, let us know. I think that was more accessibility. Uh, oh, issues. I was just okay. going to ask that question okay. because yeah. you had mentioned inclusivity before, so I was going to follow up with that. And did you hear anything about how they handle that? I, I don't know. That's a great question, no. uh, and I didn't. I don't. We didn't dig too much into that, so mm -hmm. I'm not quite okay. sure. Well, no, that's, I mean, I think it's a good discussion, sort of mm -hmm. follow-up discussion maybe on multifamily share space. Hey. Plug. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, you were talking a minute ago about, you know, how portfolios are getting more diverse as yes. well. And one of the things that keep coming up for me is affordable housing mm -hmm. and how a lot of the more traditional class A management companies are dipping their toe into the affordable um, space because A, it's needed and B, they've seen that it can generate money. And it yeah. also, a lot of times those are smaller communities, they require less staff. So, you know, it kind of all ties in together there. Yeah, I have seen your you know, conventional operators picking up more affordable mm -hmm. properties and really trying to understand what that all entails. Right. Because there are quite a few moving parts yeah. in the affordable world. Spent 15 years there. <laughs> Girl, I know. Yeah, I know. That's right. And a lot, a lot about REAC um, inspections and things of that nature are coming up as well. So, you know, it's it's affordable housing is something that is getting talked about a ton in government, finally. Um, we, we have, you know, conversations there. The advocacy is there. Um, and NAA is really doing a wonderful job plug um, <laughs> at, uh, at, at getting the advocacy yes. out there so that, so that we are at the forefront of these governmental conversations as well. Yeah. And I know we didn't necessarily intend to talk about this, but just to even piggyback a little on the affordable, with the government paying more attention to it, as well mm -hmm. as NA advocating, you know, things that came out during COVID that people thought were 10 years, you know, down the line. Oh, absolutely. Were things like uh, online leasing for affordable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, we thought we were going to have to have wet signatures for, for the rest of our right, lives, right? Life, like exactly. as of for life, carbon copy wet signatures, <laughs> you know, for forever. Yeah, no. Um, but that that is a big deal. Yep. That's a huge deal for on-site staffing. Um, and again, that takes 
us back to centralization, right? right? I was just because say that. Yeah. you can absolutely centralize affordable housing now where you couldn't do that in exactly. the past. You absolutely could not do that in the past. And now um, with the RMS programs that they have, you can upload all of your paperwork. It's all there for you. You don't need to have these humongous folders and these big, hum- you know, fi- the fireproof rooms yes. you lived in when well, we were in affordable housing. And how motivating then for an operator who's who's traditionally stayed away from affordable, yeah. who wants to go to a, a, a a, a centralized model, mm-hmm. how how motivating yeah. to then say, hey, you know what? Maybe we will take a look and at affordable portfolios now. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that that's a really positive it is. change. A hundred percent. You know, sort of a downstream effect of in a good way. And the of the sidebar of that is that these LIHTC communities now are on par with Class A communities. They're yes. building affordable housing with amenities that. Uh, certain demographics never thought they could live with right so i mean it's it's just giving people such an opportunity to have great housing and that's that's what we do in aa right like that's why we're all in this business exactly yeah i love that so so there were some other things that we were talking about in terms of centralization too and and uh and i wanted to go back and unpack that a little bit um with the self-guided tours you mentioned that they um you know they were texting and sort of if i'm building that immediate connection. So I wanted to go back and unpack a little bit around that because some of the hesitation, I think, has been with the experience, right? Is this a good experience? Or am I delivering that, what, you know, especially with with rents being high elevated, am I delivering an experience commensurate is that the mm-hmm. right way to say that? I'm live, right? Oh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Sounds great. Thank they you. will. The internet will find you. <laughs> with rent, right? With what the rent I'm asking. Yeah. Is that experience, you know, consistent and worth what I'm asking? Right? So is there value there? Before we started, we, we kind of had a little sidebar conversation. And the question that came out of it was, you know, people actually expect more customer service wise now than I think I've ever seen before. And yet we're cutting staff. So, I mean, where does where are those two align? Right? So we're cutting staff, we're centralizing things, yet people want more of our time and more of our attention. I think there's two different approaches to this. Uh, one is going to be on the leasing side, where some, in some ways, like we've, we've heard this a lot over the last several years, that mm-hmm. our prospects are so, um, they, they, they're so educated on what's mm-hmm. out there. They already know about the community. They know about so many things. And so Scott Weston from UDR, uh, he's brilliant. And, so brilliant. And yeah. so uh, he was saying really what the, they would try to do so many things with their self-guided tour mm-hmm. program. And like what type of, you know, they wanted to have some sort of, you know, VR that's going to lead them through the community and stuff like that. And little, the little blue dots to, to walk them through. And he realized that they knew so much that they, all they really wanted to do was get that last bit of information, which was to see it themselves, yeah. to yep. experience it hands on. That's what they missed. And so they didn't need to make it super fancy, super like a lot of different features to that. They just needed to get that last bit and his whole goal with that was to increase velocity and increase volume. So velocity meaning how quickly can we get them from the, hey, they're in the system through to the tour or not even tour necessarily. I mean, just, you know, maybe immediately go to signing the lease. Um, And then, or if they want to tour, how quickly can we get them in? And the tour times, he said, went way down because mm-hmm. they didn't require a certain amount of time that they said that on average it was 18 or 19 minutes 
for a tour, so it was way down. And then how quickly can they get them to sign the lease mm-hmm. after the tour if that's the yeah. case? So that that velocity, he's trying to, to condense it as much as possible and get as many people through. And the volume he found that when they were doing guided tours, the there was a, there was a delay in in how much they how many tours can they do given a certain amount of labor, right? right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you do self guided tour, you open that up so you can do so many more tours. Yeah. So they could just push so many more people through. Um, for a given amount of time. So, um, so to, to talk back, get back to the whole, like, well, how much handholding do people need? You know, to some degree, it's just less, you know, get out of the way and make it as, as touchless and, and just, you know, as as easy as possible for them to go through and get that process done. And that's an, that's an elite experience in in its own way. Right now, once they move in, obviously, then, then how does that change as far right. as that, that um, allocating of staff to pro, you know provide more resident experiences right. and that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. I, I, oh, go ahead, Tammy. Oh, sorry, um, I was just going to say it's, it's so interesting because we, we've come kind of full circle uh, in first-time leases, right? So we, a couple years ago, a couple, I'm, I'm old and I've been doing this a long time. Um, it was probably Same. 12, 13 years ago. You know, I remember sessions, where have all the first-time leases gone? You know, people aren't least they're coming back and they're coming back and they're coming back. But now to your point, they're so educated. They already know they're going to lease with you when they come through the door. A lot of the time they just, like you said, they need that last person, a little touch, that last thing. So now we're back to getting those very first touch leases. And I think that's so interesting. I wonder if there, do we have numbers or data on the, the history of those stats, because I do remember seeing mm-hmm. the, you know, look and lease specials, right? right? Like if you look and lease and, and what, yeah. you know, what those stats were versus the B-backs. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know, the like B-backs. those B-backs. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. The B-backs. Um, the B-backs. Oh, oh we had back. the little cards oh, with yeah. the B. Oh, oh yeah. good Lord. Baby, come back. Yeah. We did. Oh, now we're breaking it down. <laughs> now we're doing it. Yeah. So, so I, I'm curious then what the stats are, because I, sub, I would suppose that we definitely will see maybe some people that were the ones that were a little bit hesitant to like look and lease anyway, mm-hmm. still come back a few times for the self-guided tour, but again, on their own time with the availability of someone to answer a question. But I think it's been a long time coming for the self-guided tours. And I'll tell you a story. Lean in around my campfire. Yeah. It's story time. We got you. We are here <laughs> for you. We need our roasted marshmallows. <laughs> So when I was a property manager many moons ago, I had this leasing agent and he was about the laziest leasing agent that ever <laughs> walked the earth. I think we've all had one. <laughs> but he, you know, what are they, what's that old expression? Um, if you want to find a way to do something better, f- hire someone lazy. <laughs> That is <laughs> there, there's hilarious. There's like or something right, around right. that. I don't know okay. what it exactly is. But one day, I mean, the, the kid never put his guest cards in. We never knew how much traffic he had, whatever. <laughs> anyway, one, one Sunday, he was sick. And he came into the office anyway. And I didn't find out about any of this until the next day. He was sick. And he laid on the couch at the clubhouse. And every tour mm. that came in, he literally gave them the model keys and a map. Nope, nope, no, he no, no. He leased five apartments that day. Stop it. That's I'm not word. kidding. Oh, stop. <laughs> because they got to do their own thing. This was yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was ahead of the curve right there. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I think he's on to something. That's <laughs> like, so funny. You know, they were, they were so happy to just, you know, first of all, maybe they felt a little bit 
bad for him because he was at work <laughs> sick, which was not okay. But he didn't even call me. It wasn't, you know, like I w- wouldn't have not let him come in, obviously. Right. But uh, he came in anyway because there's no one else to work on a Sunday. <clears throat> and he leased five apartments. And, uh, you wild. know, there's, there's something to it. There's definitely something to it. So... 